Hey friends, it's Jenna Overbaugh here. I'm a licensed professional counselor and I'm here to help you do all the hard things, including busting through your fear, intrusive thoughts, and worry so you can live your best life. Some of my earliest memories were being anxious and I lived my life that way until I learned more about OCD and anxiety. Since then, I learned as much as I could and I've been helping people overcome their fear and worry since 2008. Over the years, I've acquired some of the best education, training, and empowerment tools to help you understand your brain a little bit better and to finally overcome all of that fear that's been holding you back. Now, if you're ready to learn more, let's get to it. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of All the Hard Things, where we get into the nitty-gritty about OCD, anxiety, and all things hard related to OCD and anxiety recovery. Today's episode is going to be all about the ways in which we tend to misinterpret our thoughts as being significant in OCD. So first things first, there is a lot of misunderstanding about kind of what is the problem when it comes to OCD and anxiety. A lot of times people who aren't aware of the OCD and anxiety cycle quite yet, they tend to misinterpret their thoughts as being significant in OCD and anxiety. They tend to think that the feeling is the problem in OCD and anxiety, or it's the thoughts that are the problem, and they just want to get rid of the thoughts. They they That's kind of like one of their first goals in therapy sometimes is that they want to get rid of the thoughts, that they want to feel better. And unfortunately, through our understanding and education of the OCD and anxiety cycle, we come to realize that the rituals are actually the problem, right? So it's really the rituals and the compulsions and the avoidance behaviors, all of those things that people do to temporarily feel better. They make them feel better temporarily, but it actually just gives credibility to that initial obsession. So what we really need to do is we need to, first and foremost, reduce those compulsions, reduce avoidance, all of those things in order to make the OCD cycle weaker. But why does it get so strong in the first place? Obviously, doing those rituals makes that cycle stronger and stronger over time, but there's a reason why for people who have OCD and anxiety, why their thoughts tend to be stickier. Uh, You know, there's a reason why, there's lots of reasons why somebody who does not have OCD or anxiety or is not vulnerable to having that kind of predisposition and that thinking pattern, why they're able to have this scary, unwanted thought and just be able to kind of let it go and quickly move on to the next thing in their life. Whereas people who have OCD and anxiety, that thought is just a little bit stickier. It evokes more anxiety, we get more invested into it, and then we get sucked into that cycle. So first things first, when it comes to the OCD and anxiety cycle, it is not that first initial intrusive thought or image or doubt or uncertainty that is the problem because people experience that all the time. And even outside of your OCD subtype or theme, you have these unwanted thoughts all the time. It's just that you're able to kind of have them, let them go, not latch onto them and not give them attention. So what is it about these other thoughts that do really stick that are on theme for us and make us feel so terrible where we get really sucked into that cycle is when we start to misinterpret those thoughts as being significant somehow. So by misinterpreting our thoughts as being significant, there's lots of different ways that we can do that, and we will go over that in today's episode, but by misinterpreting those thoughts as being important or significant, 
we really start that investment process. We are really honing in on that thought. We are amplifying the importance of that thought. We are emotionally investing, essentially. So this is where I always tell my clients, it's kind of like if you had a scary movie playing in the background, but you were continuing to get ready for the day or do dishes or whatever, and you were kind of looking at it every once in a while, but you weren't really actually sitting down, tuning everything else out and paying attention to that movie, that movie's not going to be very scary because you're not actually investing. You're not actually, you know, tuning in. You're not giving it attention. But where we start to really get invested and get anxious with these thoughts in order to have to feel like we do a ritual, right? In order to get to that place in the first place where things feel so real and our fight or flight system is activated, we tend to misinterpret those thoughts as being significant. So how do we do that, right? So there's lots of cognitive distortions and just general misinterpretations related to thoughts. And it's not like this is just uh, kind of exclusive to OCD and anxiety. People who do not have OCD and anxiety are still victim every once in a while to you know, getting into these cognitive distortions, things like black or white thinking, all or nothing, disqualifying the positives, so on and so forth. But definitely with OCD and anxiety, we tend to see that more and we tend to see kind of more stubbornness and being able to see outside of that cognitive distortion. So less cognitive flexibility, so to speak. So there are a couple reasons and a couple ways in which we can misinterpret our thoughts as being significant in OCD and anxiety. First things first is hyper-responsibility. So people with OCD and anxiety, they tend to have a sense of inflated responsibility, meaning that they tend to assign excessive importance to their thoughts uh, as far as like that they are responsible for them. So if I had an intrusive thought that, oh my gosh, you know, uh, that little boy is so cute. He's so cute. I might then interpret that thought as being, you know, my responsibility. Oh my gosh, it's my responsibility that I have that thought. Where did that thought come from? Or, you know, oh my gosh, what if I dropped Eli down the stairs? Oh my gosh, that's my responsibility now. I have that thought. Now I'm responsible to make sure that he's safe, so on and so forth. So we tend to take responsibility for those thoughts and think, because I had that thought, that must mean something about me. That is my responsibility. And now I have to make sure that nothing bad happens because otherwise I would be irresponsible. We also tend to catastrophize. So we tend to jump to the worst case scenario associated with thoughts. So if I, um, you know, touch something and I, I maybe felt like it was dirty, I might tend to catastrophize about that, right? Like that that dirt or that feeling of griminess means something and I'm going to get sick and that it's going to be so, I'm going to get so sick that I'm going to need hospitalized and maybe I don't even recover in the hospital and I'm going to, you know, die, whatever, right? So jumping from this doorknob, this feeling of grime to all the way I'm going to die and I won't be able to handle that. That's catastrophizing. We also tend to just judge the thoughts. So as we have that unwanted thought come in, we're very quick to judge them as being either good or bad or perverted or gross or you know awful, whatever. And unfortunately, the more that we engage in that judgment of the thoughts, we are engaging with OCD in general. So we are giving our brain the message that that thought is bad, that that thought is dangerous, and that therefore we probably shouldn't have that thought in the future. But of course, what happens, right? When we tell ourselves not to have that thought or to be on guard for a thought, we end up just having that thought more. Um, so we could also um, 
just tends to feel like that thought meant something, right? So just general thought importance. So over importance of thought that somehow we can't just have that thought and have it be like a glitch in the system that somehow that I had that thought means something. That's an important thought. That means I have to investigate it. There's a reason why I had that thought. And you can imagine with OCD and anxiety weaved in there, all of those misinterpretations you know, can really make someone feel very anxious, make someone feel fight or flight, like they need to get ready for battle or run away. And so how we deal with this in therapy, we want to do cognitive behavioral therapy, but unfortunately, cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT is such a vague term. So cognitive behavioral therapy simply just means that the therapist that you're seeing or the intervention that you're doing, it basically acknowledges the relationship among thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. And so cognitive behavioral therapy can be a wide range of things. It is a wide net, and it just really highlights the connection between thoughts, emotions, and behaviors. Um, and so I, you see a lot of things about how CBT is the gold standard treatment for OCD and anxiety. CBT, you know, you know, if you have OCD, you need CBT. And that's true, but only because exposure and response prevention is a cognitive behavioral therapy. So ERP is under that CBT umbrella, but I just don't want people to go and see a therapist who is more of a general CBT practitioner and is not actually doing ERP. So CBT is the more wide net, it is the wide umbrella, and under that umbrella is more specified treatments, including ERP. So again, you still really want to make sure that you are seeing somebody who does ERP. Um, and so when it comes to challenging these cognitive distortions and challenging these thoughts, I never, never in that moment when somebody is actively anxious, I am not challenging that cognitive distortion. I am not trying to convince that person that their thoughts are good or that their thoughts are not their responsibility or that their thoughts are not important. What that would do is to just be kind of arguing with OCD, and OCD is not one to be argued with. OCD is not one where you can win that argument. I'm sure anybody out there who has ever tried to logic away their thoughts or try to argue with their thoughts with logic, it works very maybe temporarily, but it just comes back. And so OCD cannot be fought with logic. Um, we can't do that. And so it's very um, you just feel like you're kind of running into a dead end if you are actively anxious and somebody tries to make you feel better by telling you that that doesn't make sense or that that thought is not your responsibility, right? So when somebody is actively anxious and engaged in this misinterpretation and really worked up about this misinterpretation, I don't take that as an opportunity to try to use logic or to try to rationalize with them. Instead, we treat that as an exposure I'm not giving reassurance. I'm not giving into anything. I'm just doing as much as I can as the therapist to not engage with that anxious response. We're allowing them to be anxious. We're sitting there. We're doing the exposures. We're doing everything we can to resist rituals. But I do think it's really important to generally educate about these cognitive distortions, just like I'm doing now. I think it's really important to educate about how somebody with OCD and anxiety can misinterpret their thoughts as being important. Um, you know, the hyper-responsibility piece, the catastrophizing. So I like to attack it more from a psychoeducational standpoint and just having the person be aware of the tricks that their brain can play on them but I'm not going to sit there and argue with them about content. I'm not going to sit there when they're actively anxious and crying about thinking that a thought is important. I'm not going to try to convince them that it's not important because 
I, I'm never going to win. I'm going up against something, i.e. their OCD and anxiety that just doesn't respond well to logic. And so we would do exposures. We would make sure that we are resisting compulsions as much as we possibly can. But as far as the cognitive distortion piece and identifying all these misinterpretation tricks, I like to approach that as more of a psychoeducational piece when they're not actively anxious. Um, and, you know, just be able to kind of let them know, hey, this is the tendency that your brain has. Um, and just be aware of that. As we go into these anxiety provoking situations, we're not going to try to use this as a way to feel better. Um, but it is something that you obviously need to be aware of, that your brain can kind of pull you into these tricks at times. Other things that can be super, super helpful above and beyond ERP and also, you know, kind of as an adjunct to ERP would be mindfulness and acceptance. So mindfulness, I think, is a critical skill when you are doing exposure and response prevention and just OCD and anxiety recovery in general. Mindfulness does not necessarily mean that you are sitting down and you are zen and you are silent and you are sitting cross-legged and you are meditating for 30 minutes. It just means that you are paying attention on purpose to the present moment. And so it really helps you be able to observe your intrusive thoughts as they come in. You can observe them without judgment, be able to label the thought and move on with the rest of your day. And then obviously acceptance. So acceptance is a huge uh, concept in OCD and anxiety recovery. We really need to accept you know, what is going on. It doesn't mean that we have to love it. It doesn't mean that we can't work to change it or to improve it. But acceptance is a prerequisite for change. So we do have to accept. We do have to accept that this is part of the process in embracing uncertainty as part of recovery, so on and so forth. And with all of those things, we can move forward to eventually overcome fear and uncertainty. So we want to make sure in treatment that we are addressing the fear and uncertainty that's associated with these misinterpreting thoughts and OCD and anxiety and with a therapist or with some of the skills that I have essentially on my master classes and, and throughout the rest of my podcast, my blog, uh, just being able to build that tolerance to sitting with uncertainty. So through gradual exposure work, through making sure that you are reducing your rituals, through making sure that you are reducing your avoidance strategies, you will feel uncomfortable at first, but using mindfulness, using acceptance, using exposure and response prevention, and ultimately being aware of all of these kind of tricks that your brain can play on you it can really help you build that tolerance to uncertainty and reduce the distress that is caused by your intrusive thoughts. So just a quick recap from everything that we discussed. We talked about some ways that we can misinterpret our thoughts as being important. And we highlighted first and foremost that it's not even this misinterpretation that is the, the first problem, right? We have that intrusive thought that comes in right away. We have the image. We have the uncertainty. We have the doubt. That's not necessarily the problem. Other people in the world experience those things and they don't necessarily latch into it like we do. Where we get pulled into the OCD and anxiety cycle is where we start to misinterpret those thoughts as being significant somehow. So we take them as our responsibility. We judge them. We try to get rid of them. We try to control them. We catastrophize about them. We take responsibility for them. We think, oh my gosh, what does that mean about me that I had that thought? And then we start to get really activated and anxious. And so in order to truly recover, yes, we absolutely need to reduce and resist those rituals and those compulsions, but it's still so, so helpful to be able to understand on a more grand level the ways in which your brain is misinterpreting these thoughts as being important. Um, and if we can work to understand that, nope, 
I wouldn't judge anybody else for having this thought. So why am I judging myself? You know, that thought does not necessarily mean that this thing is going to come true. Once you realize that more attempts at trying to control your anxiety only leads to more anxiety, you can start to incorporate all the all of these different skills together to really work to to increase that tolerance of uncertainty and and eventually get your life back. So um Thank you guys so much for listening. I would love to know what are some of the ways in which you misinterpret your thoughts as being important. If anything really jumped out to you, would love for you to pop on a DM, go over to Instagram at jenna.overbaugh and let me know if this resonated with you. Um, And if you need a little bit more to chew on, definitely head to my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com. We have a podcast there, uh, more podcast episodes that you can actually search for. You can search for blog content and then also my masterclasses. So if this really rang true with you, I go way more into detail about it in my OCD and anxiety cycle masterclass. Um, So that is available for you right now. It's on my website. Again, go to www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com slash masterclasses and you will get all of the information that you need. I really hope that this was helpful. Head over to Instagram and give me your feedback and I will see you guys next week. So until then, keep doing all the hard things. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. It would mean the world to me if you would take a quick minute to please give it a review. And while you're at it, check out my website at www.jennaoverbaughlpc.com to sign up for my free email newsletter that includes an instant free downloadable PDF to help jumpstart your OCD and anxiety recovery journey. You can also find me on Instagram or TikTok at jenna.overbaugh. If you liked what you listened to here, you can download some of my workshops and courses on OCD, anxiety, and treatment at my website as well. Thank you so much again for tuning in and until next time, keep doing all the hard things.